everyone. Welcome to the Mindful Marriage Podcast, a Hope Fellowship Podcast, all about helping you survive and thrive in your marriage in ways only God could imagine. I'm your host, Seth Muse, and with me is Hope Fellowship Lead Care and Support Pastor Brock Yankee and Licensed Professional Counselor Tara Wiedemeyer. I'm going to do the pre I'm, do the pre- I'm Tara. Hey. <laughs> that's that's hey. not how I said it. Oh, okay. It's My voice hey. even... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh man, such good, uh, such good energy in the room today. Um, it's coming from me, not Brock. <laughs> Live it up, Brock. Oh man. So today we're talking about conflict. I That's sense, a great segue. I sense conflict <laughs> yes. in the room. Everybody experiences it, right? I mean, we all deal with that stuff, uh, it's, and it can how we respond to it can set tone for our relationships. And today we're going to get into like what unhealthy and healthy conflict looks like in our marriages, and how to avoid it, and uh, maybe even how to fix it when it goes really, really poorly. Um, so Tara, what is conflict? Kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, what a loaded question. Conflict is <clears throat> kind of just the idea that, um, not kind of, it is the idea that two people or people disagree on something or have different viewpoints and perspectives and are having a hard time seeing it from the other person's um, perspective. Maybe there's it creates some tension. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Um, but basically just these different, differing opinions or ideas about something. And so it would make sense that a lot of times, like I said, that can be awkward or uncomfortable and it can lead to arguments and things like that, but it doesn't always have to. One of my favorite quotes about conflict that I use for some of my talks, um, Max Lucado says, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. And I love that because... That's good. I believe that conflict is productive and healthy. Mm-hmm. Combat is not. So, so Tara, believe it or not, helps me see life a little bit better than what I normally have. Imagine a therapist helping someone see life a little <laughs> bit better. But she tends to embrace conflict a little bit more, I think, than I do. And she sees it as a path mm-hmm. to healing and a path of getting your perspective. I, I kind of am conflict avoider. Because I feel like I've always brought up in my whole life that if you get in conflict, then I've always taken on the hey, I'm I'm doing something really really wrong. It's kind of an t- opportunity to blame Brock because yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite too. I'm like, hey, good conflict. Now we're getting honest. We're going to get something yeah, done. Yeah, or I would like to avoid it at all Let's costs. Go. But t- Tara's helping me to see that conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean something's wrong. It doesn't mean you're broken. It's just kind of how a life works. Right. But like how we deal with conflict is now our approach. And so conflict's going to happen. So how can we deal with it in a better way? Mm-hmm. And so I know that in my family, there's been um, a lot of unhealthy conf- – the way we've dealt with it in an unhealthy way. So early on, I was taught that you just avoid it. Uh, and I was taught that you just sweep things under the rug, that you just kind of mm-hmm. let things go. You pray about it and everything's going to be just fine. And so or you, you apologize avoid- inauthentically. You apologize inauthentically. Just to get it over with. Yeah. yeah. And then, then my wife and I – we are both have a tendency to think that we're right. I think my wife, obviously, more than me. And so we <laughs> think she's right or is right. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, she's right all the time. <laughs> okay. we'll go there. I want to help but, you. But out we, there, then we tend to become yellers in our house. And so when we start to not feel like our point is getting across, our voices uh, raise and we start to, like, uh, we've talked about this before a little bit, but one of the things that really helps me is John Gottman talks about when you're in a conflict that it's like healthy conflict looks at the conflict as just an issue. Mm-hmm. And when you have unhealthy conflict, it's like you take the issue and put that issue inside of another human being and are basically saying that person is defective. There's something wrong with right. that person. 
And so we tend to do that and kind of start to blame each other and use – like it's, it's awful. We start to raise our voice. We start to accuse. We start to bring up things from the past. We start to uh, almost uh, call names, question motives. Uh, we get you know kind of a nasty in the midst of conflict. That's maybe one reason why we haven't figured out necessarily we're getting better how to deal with conflict. But we can really uh, – it can be very unhealthy. And we walk away from that experience feeling – unloved, devalued, unappreciated by that person. And it takes a little while to kind of get over that, especially after a good screaming match. And so anything else you'd like to add to the unhealthy conflict? I think those are all good um, points to keep in mind. And unhealthy conflict can look a variety of different ways. But I think it's important to, once you realize you're in that spot, um, for for one of you or both of you, um, to be like, hey, like this is not productive. This is hurtful. We're not getting anywhere with this. Like we need to take a time out and kind of pull back from that because once those things happen that you just said, emotions obviously are very high, and so our rational thinking goes down. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's once that happens, there needs to be like a a decompression time or like a like let's take a break and then come back and like do this thing. So um, – Because if you're in that heightened emotional state, pretty much guarantee nothing good is really going to happen at this yeah. point in time. So nothing productive. Even that desire of like, hey, yeah. we've got to we, – we're not leaving the room. We've got to figure this out. Again, yeah. goes back to my bad thinking that everything can be solved in one conversation. Right. You might need to be – You really you really have to know your spouse there. Are they a person that likes to go cool off and come back? Are they a person that likes to solve it right now? I mean just – I, I tend to be a withdrawing kind of person. I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm, let's let me cool off. Let me go over here because I'm very emotional. I'll, I'll react and probably not very well. Well, and that's so. the thing too is like when this happens is because we are emotional beings, we become a lot of times reactive rather than responsive, and we want to be responsive in order for it to be healthy and like, you know, productive. But jumping straight to like anger or, um, you know, defensive is a pretty natural thing. It's not a healthy thing, but it is a very natural thing. And so just giving people some space to kind of like wrestle with that, wrap their heads around it and be like, okay, like this isn't getting me anywhere. Let's, let's try this again. And like, like, and that's when I think it becomes like, it's less combative and you can sit down and actually do some work. So Tara's helping me to see that it's not always that route, that it can be Conflict can be a positive thing. Conflict could sound just like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you and your kids or you and your spouse or whoever could sit down and be having a conflict and it could sound just like how we're talking right now. You know, it doesn't have to be explosive or volatile or mean. Yeah. It might be a little uncomfortable, you know. Um, conflict doesn't translate as argument. Or yeah, it doesn't no. translate but in my mind anger. it does. And well, so, and but, I think a yeah. lot of us have grown up that way. Right. You know, I didn't used to – be like this at all. I did, I would like run and hide in a closet when things would like go down in my house growing up and like hide. And, you know, I would avoid conflict at all costs growing up and like be the first one to apologize because I just wanted like the peace back, you know. So how did you get to the spot in your life when you see – because Tara talks about how conflict can be very productive and can be very meaningful and very – and get you to somewhere you wouldn't before. So how did you get personally get to that spot where you can embrace the the goodness, the the, the greatness of conflict when it, it was done well. It was very difficult. I mean, but I had to realize that, you know, if I wanted to, I'm, I, I embrace change. I think change is a good thing. And I, you know, I can get very bored very easily. And so even in like relationships and things like that, a lot of people like comfort and um, familiarity and like no change because then you know what to expect and those kinds of things. But anyways, so 
I think that I just had to, I really realized that, like, if I'm going to have healthy relationships, if I'm going to be healthy, if I'm going to train people how to teach or how to treat me, then I'm going to have to have these hard conversations, set some boundaries, um, maintain those boundaries, and that that can be a really awkward place to be, you know? Yeah. And so, but I, I realized, like, I just, I want to be authentic. I want people, like, I want to be able to be vulnerable and, like, have people that are in my inner circle, like, really know me, but I want to be able to have these I want to be honest with them because if you can't be honest with your closest friends or family or spouse, then what's the point, you know, in what we're doing? And so I just think it was really like that was a a big eye opener for me. But I mean, it still can be hard. It's difficult. I think in my journey, I've still got a long ways to go. But I, I remember thinking as a kid, if anyone ever pointed out anything that was wrong about me. I took it so personally, like now I'm defective. Mm -hmm. So the idea of hearing uh, feedback was always something I avoided because I didn't want you to tell me I was defective as a human being. And I right. think as I've read and I've kind of grown in life, I realized that not any human being mm-hmm. is without imperfection. Right. And that we all, and the only way for us to truly grow, because we can't see things necessarily because we, 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 we think our motives are so pure and all these kind of things. But the only way for us to really grow is for others to lovingly give us feedback about where we can improve. And so I think that's kind of helped me along the way. But just because I, my spouse might bring up something that I'm doing wrong, it's not saying, hey, you stink mm-hmm. as a husband, as a human being. As it's a, an opportunity to like yeah, grow it's an, and be it's better. an opportunity, yeah, because now I can change something that might actually be hurting other human beings. Because even in my self-protection of not wanting to get hurt, I can hurt other people mm-hmm. unintentionally. Mm-hmm. But boy, it's I don't like want to – Yeah, but I don't want to do that. And so to get that feedback allows me then to – um, embrace that a little bit more and say, now I can improve so I can treat my children better. I can treat my wife better. I can treat um, my co-host better. <laughs> I still got a ways to <laughs> yes, go on please. that one. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey to kind of to go internally to kind of do that. So. That's a healthy Enneagram one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at it. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is any old gram anyway. And also, too, I think on the flip side of that, you know, just because somebody says something that they don't like about us or they want to be different – doesn't necessarily even make it true. So if yeah. it's not coming from a healthy person or, you know, they're saying it out of anger or hurt, like it's okay to not take that immediately and be like, okay, you're right. Like this thing is correct, yeah. like wrong or faulty and I need to do something with it. Like, so yes, it's a, it's a growth opportunity, but only when it's coming from someone's, um, coming from somebody who's like perspective we value and we care about their opinion and we know that it's being said in love and we have some kind of rapport with them. Otherwise, I think we we get to the other side of that and we start to care about what everyone thinks and it can be paralyzing mm-hmm. and that's not okay. Yeah, because you know, one of the things we do at, uh, at Reengage is we do an evaluation at the midpoint and at the end. And so it was, I was having a conversation with one of our leaders that got kind of a negative piece of feedback about the way they led this last time. And it sure felt as we read that it was coming from that person from an unhealthy place. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't illegitimate feedback, but it wasn't feedback that probably we could do anything with. And so like had to help them realize, hey, just because they said that doesn't make it true. true. Is there something maybe to consider, to ponder? But there may be nothing out of that, but there there might be. And so it was ultimately – 
uh, a healthy conversation and a reminder to me that just because, like what you said, someone just because they say it doesn't mean that well, it actually has a lot of validity. Yeah, and if we're staying, again, in our own lane, I think it's always important, like when people say things or, you know, we have a thought or something, it's okay to do inventory on it and yeah. say, like, you know, is this congruent? Is Does this make sense? Is this true? Is there something I'm – is there a blind spot I'm missing? And if not, it's okay to, like, I believe set that aside or put that away and be like, okay – for right now, that's not where I need to put my energy mm-hmm. and move on. So, and, Tara, help, help us understand because if we want to get to this point where we do want some feedback so we can improve as human beings, so most of my conflict is unhealthy, What would? how could we engage? And again, we can't change another human being, stay in our lane, as you like to say it more appropriately, as I like to say it, stay in your circle because I think the lane thing is very confusing to people, so, so I don't like your language. Trying to be funny, and it didn't work at all. So it sounded critical. It sounded like so that would be. I was now to the untrained eye, it looked like I was being mean to Tara. But to the trained eye, they realized I was setting her up to say like that feedback is not you know something yeah. I need to pay attention to. But anyway, I so, didn't have time to because you kept talking. So boom. La, la, la. all right. So what do you think healthy conflict uh, would could look like, or what would be some tools that we're kind of aiming for? I think. Um, being mindful of your body language, um, of your volume and your tone, your word choice are all very important things. I think you need to look at like the timing of things. You know, if you if your spouse walks in and like they've just said what a terrible day they've had. Um, hey, we need how, to talk. Yeah. And yeah. their stress is like at nine out of ten and mm-hmm. you're like mad about how they're not pitching in around the house as much lately. Maybe realize that's not the the best time to bring that up. And so I think timing is a huge piece that we need to give more um, attention to. But I think just realizing again, like what Brock said is it doesn't make us defective to have things wrong with us. We all have those things wrong with us. And so being able to receive feedback, especially when it's done in love and like responsibly, I think is vital. Um, Being able to do self inventory and have that, that insight and awareness for ourselves. And if we don't have that, it kind of limits the rest of what we can do. So I think that would be a good starting point for a lot of people to, if you can't, if you can't receive constructive criticism or feedback without turning around and putting it back on the people or, or that gave it to you, or, you know, completely shutting down or feeling all this shame, that might be a good starting point before you even go to these look to go to these other steps, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But I think just lowering your defenses and your walls and just being open and trying to be objective, almost like play detective to this. Um, So we talked about we talked about active listening. mm -hmm. So what does that mean to you? To be able to sit and truly hear somebody saying something, whether you like it or not, but just you're not worrying about your own agenda. You're not thinking of your response while they're talking, which is really hard to do. Very difficult. Especially if you're, you feel that you're in the right. Um, but just being able to sit there and listen, you're hearing everything they're saying before you develop a response in any way um, and you're trying to keep your emotions Managed so you're trying to in hear that setting, their full story and understand mm-hmm. exactly how they're approaching before you're ready right. to yes. shut down their yeah. response, shut down their emotions or whatever yeah. you want to hear. 
and well, gain their perspective. It's, it's, it's listening to understand, not listening to respond. That's kind right. of what you're there getting you go. at. It's yeah. the, uh, yeah. yeah, it's like I'm not trying to tell you my side of this right now. I just want to fully understand what you're trying to say to me. And if we let people finish what they're actually saying, a lot of times like, – oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to give an example about oh, letting someone finish what they were saying. <laughs> we need a rim shot. <laughs> uh, I need a taser. Sound <laughs> um, if we – but we may not even – the the need to be defensive may not even need like may not be there because that's not what they're saying if we actually hear them out all the way to the end Correct. and i know that in my own marriage like i'm quick to when we did those the four horsemen mm-hmm. like i can be defensive and so i could you know be ready to respond or even interrupt to be like well you're not seeing that right like that's actually not what happened but if i let him finish and make his full point i'm like oh we actually agree on this, but you know. Does, mm-hmm. does active listening seem like too pie in the sky? Like, are we asking a miracle of couples to sit there and basically kind of take on some feedback, take on some criticism from another human being, and not respond to I it? I don't know that I would say miracle, but I would say mm-hmm. it is very difficult. But I think it's one of those things that we have to constantly be developing it. That's not one of those things that's going to get. We're not going to get an A plus in that category. Early on. Like that's something I think that as long as you are aware of it and trying to do it throughout the course of your marriage and you see forward movement, that's a win. But we're on a journey to yeah. learn how to be active yeah. listeners. I, th- I think there's two things there. I think naturally we just don't like criticism. So, no. we're, so we're trying to, to get out of it and, make, and invalidate it almost. Mm-hmm. But I think we're also in our culture, uh, you know, the world of social media that rules us, right? We're kind of conditioned – to to have a defensive posture, to have a I need to have the last word, um, and and allows us to be a little bit more I guess you know uh, snippy with people because there's low accountability. So we bring that kind of into our relationship with our spouse and go, I can say things without a lot of consequence. I can just say what I think and get that out there mm-hmm. because a lot of social media is just shouting into the void, right? They just feel like you're just out there to be heard. And it kind of trains us that there are people listening to us and we don't have to listen back. Yeah. And I think I've, I've said this before, but there's a verse that I'd love to be able to live out a little bit better. It's James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Mm. But I think in most of my conflicts, I'm uh, quick to speak, um, slow to listen, and quick to get angry. So I'm doing mm-hmm. the opposite of kind of what James mm-hmm. is telling us to do. And so if we could kind of have that maybe as a theme verse, that might be help in the yeah. active listening piece that I'm going to be. My goal here is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I realize, again, that's asking a lot. But that's why we need, you know, don't, not to get too pastory here, but that's why we need God. That's mm-hmm. why we need strength. Is not We're not asking. We need the Holy Ghost. We do. Preach it, sister. But we need some <laughs> divine help because we're really asking us to do something that really – it goes Maybe against the way we're yeah. kind of bent, yeah. Yeah. for sure. And yeah. I think, too, you know, there's there's a, a verse that talks about this, and I, I'm not going to quote it right now because, or quote where it is because I cannot remember. But it was very um, where it talks about, like, we don't need to defend ourselves and that God's going to do that. And I know that in, in, like, the little moments, it doesn't, like, maybe it doesn't feel like that, and we need to, like, you know, do it for ourselves. But I think, you know, at, someone who has grown up being super defensive, um, 
I was always always ready to have like this, like you said, this defensive posture, but like always ready with like a, a reason as to why I did what I did or said what I said. And that's not necessary. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so because if they just understand that, they'll agree with you. Right. 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 So, yeah, I just <laughs> if I give people the benefit of the doubt and I'm hoping that they're doing that for me, too. And I just try to stay in this place of like I don't have to defend myself. Not everybody's out to get me then that is a really freeing place to be. Um, But I do, I think that we all kind of, I think a lot of us can stay in that place of defensiveness and we don't even know it. And so then when we get out of it, it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know? And I think too, what you mentioned is is so important that oftentimes we think we have to be in control of all situations Mm -hmm. where, where I think the Bible is really calling us to trust God's way of doing things. And maybe if we can embrace the uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry, we realize that we're placing our trust in, in God, in the Holy Spirit, to, to, yes. to take advantage of the situation. We don't have to control every situation. Right. That's a difficult thing to do. And so if you find yourself in these situations, a lot of hurt can take place if you're in an unhealthy kind of conflict. You can actually hurt your spouse, hurt each other. And there's going to come that moment maybe where you realize that you talk about it and you need to apologize and reconcile. So let's talk about a few practical ways we can maybe um, do just healthy apology, healthy reconciliation. What can we do for that? Yeah, so the, Tara, one of your favorite authors, what's her name? Brenny? Brenny Brown. Brenny Brown. Hi, Brenny. I know you're listening. It's pronounced, yeah, she's it's, listening. All right. It's pronounced Breen. Gosh, Breen Brown. No, Brenny Brown. Stop it. So this is Tara's favorite. She's given she's us. She's my a few, professional crush. Yeah, one she, of them. And some ingredients to an authentic apology from Brene Brown. Yes, the, this is her list. Um, so the ingredients of an authentic apology keeps the focus on your actions and not the other person's response. Includes an offer of reparation or restitution that fits the situation. It does not overdo. Does not get caught up in who's more to blame or who started it. Requires that you do your best to avoid a repeat performance, you know, like learning from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Should not serve to silence another person. Should not be offered to make you feel better if it risks making the hurt party feel worse. And does not ask the hurt party to do anything, not even to forgive. So a good idea would probably be to to listen to that list again, hit the back 20-second button or whatever on your podcast listening yeah. device, and to say, all right, where were these things that I don't do very well? Mm-hmm. And so where can I maybe just pick one of these things and say, hey, how can I improve in my apology? And, and, and just looking at this like, okay, what what's one action step I can take to do, do a little bit better job than I've done in the past? Right. And don't go to your spouse and be like, hey, here's how you apologize, and yeah, you're not yeah. doing this it This is for well. you. This is not for your spouse. This is for you. If they stay in, in a bad apology mode, that's, that's yeah. on them. That's yeah. down the road. Yeah, you were working on you. If so. you're receiving the apology, it is not your role to critique yeah. the apology. Well, that was a good apology, Tara, but. Or validate <laughs> or like determine its validity. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the important things is, is in all of this is that you're taking ownership of your relationship here. You're, you're saying you're taking ownership of the, the conflict and the, and the, and moving forward and saying it's not enough just to have conflict. Cause, cause a lot of times um, you can't just let conflict hang out there and think it'll go away. If you're, you know, just cause your temper has settled does not mean the matter is settled. Right. Well, cause that happens all the time. People will call me like on a Friday and say, Hey, we just had a big fight Thursday night. Can we come by at the church and talk to you? And then maybe if something happens, I'll be like, hey, I can see you Monday morning. 
Uh, and then Monday morning rolls on like, oh, we did fine over the weekend. We don't need to talk now. You know, it's really yes. just kind of a sign that, hey, we've just buried this a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back later. So right. go ahead and have those conversations get that figured out. You haven't actually addressed it, and it could, it's going to come back again uh, over and over probably. All right. Well, I think, I think we've hit this really well. Um, man, conflict is going to be a part of our lives. It is going to happen. Just remember that when it does, how we respond and how we care for one another when we do that is – paramount to the health of our relationships, especially in our marriage, the most important, well, second most important relationship we have. Careful there, Next to the relationship with Jesus. Uh, Jesus juked it. Um, Blasphemy. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for this. This is really great. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Uh, Hope that you've enjoyed this and will subscribe and give us reviews and ratings in the iTunes store if you like what you're hearing, if it's helpful. Uh, We'd love for you to share this with your friends. So find a way to get this URL to your married couple friends and uh, let them know about this podcast. We'd love to see if there's any way we can help them as well. Um, Join us next time for uh, more biblical perspective on marriage and relationships. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Learn more about the marriage ministry at Hope by visiting hopefellowship.net slash marriage.